Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm with Duana Welch. And we've got such a great topic today because all of you listening, most of you are single moms. Some of you are in relationships. Some of you are not. Some of you are like me that are like, how do I fit all of this in? I'm raising two boys. I'm a sandwich generation. I've got my 88-year-old dad that I take care of in my house. I've got two dogs. I've got a pool. You know, all of these things clamor for my attention. Then, of course, I have my work. I run a media company. So there's another big chunk. So where do we fit in time to date? And my question is, why would I even date? And then I'm horrible at flirting. So I look at Duana's book and I'm like, okay, this is for me. This is why she's on the show today. Duana Welch, welcome to the show. Tell me what's in your book because we're going to want everybody to go out and buy it. And it's important for me to note, Duana Welch did not provide any sort of incentive for me to have her on the show today. I just need help. I need help in flirting because when you're 40 something, you have two kids, an old man, a dog and a car. Flirting isn't natural like it was when I was 18 and 20. So I'm hoping Duana Welsh can help me. She'll probably help you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It is such a pleasure. And as uh, a single mom myself, my son just moved out. He's 19. I have made it through. Um, I know. I have I have tried and, and succeeded with these techniques that are all based on science. Ooh. So I am the author of the Love Factually book series. And the, the material we'll be talking about today comes from my book, Love Factually for Single Parents and Those Dating Them. And it covers everything from getting over your ex to setting up appropriate boundaries to engaging in healthy self-care to understanding who is safe for you and your children, because there are predators out there and they like single mothers, I'm sad to say. Yep. And then going on to the mechanics of dating. How do you, what's changed? What's new and different? How do you flirt? How do you become your own dating service? How do you treat dating like a part-time job? What about using technology? What's new and different about that? And some dating, common dating pitfalls. And then what do you do once you found the right person? Because there's a baggage train, you know, I prefer to call them stakeholders. When you when you're young, your parents are stakeholders, maybe your extended family, but when you're a single mom, your stakeholders include your ex, your ex's parents, their aunts and uncles, all these people and the kids who don't always sign on. So how do you deal with with all of these stakeholders, some of whom may not be excited about your new relationship and how do you just be happy anyway? Gosh darn it. So <laughs> These are all topics covered in this book. It is my favorite book that I've written and it comes with a free workbook online and uh, it's just very close to my heart. I'm so happy you have me on to talk about it today and especially about flirting because those (laughs) skills get rusty. They get re- well, and some of us never had it. Like, I'll be honest, I'm a nerdy girl, which is why I love your science. I'm highly educated. I tend to go to the cerebral part of my brain. And, you know, the guys I've dated, thank God they like that about me, but they're like, San, it's literal. Like, I remember Mark telling me, he goes, I'll see you soon. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'll see you tomorrow? Are you going to call me? Like, I don't understand the concept of soon. That's too vague for me. And they laugh. They think it's hilarious. But that's my reality, Dwayne. They're drawn up. I mean, it's like, it's hard for me to just relax and take it easy. And I'm, you could probably tell I'm not a relax and take it easy girl on a good day. So I need your book. I need your help. And um, yeah. Well, uh, flirting, I'm going to tell you something that will really help you out. Most men, most of the time in most of the world, and that's what science shows us. It shows how most people think and behave most of the time, which is why it's better than opinion. When you know how most people think and behave most of the time, you can predict what they're going to do next. That's the value of science instead of mere opinion. That's why I like it so much. And it turns out most men, most of the time in most of the world are likely to 
over-perceive rather than under-perceive your interest in them, which means you don't have to flirt very hard or do very much in order to attract their interest. There are specific things that you can do which really, really help. So I see you've got your pen poised to take I notes. I do. <laughs> I do. I mean, seriously, this is better than gold because being a nerdy girl, when you back it by science, like this is not just Duena's like, oh, look, we're just, you know, my idea and look at me. And I look at your wall and you've got like MD, PhD things hanging all over. You've got that alphabet soup um, of education. So I know you've done your research because you're not going to hang your credentials on the wall behind you and then give me something that's not been verified. I, I really am very, very careful with what I present. I present it just like a conversation. It doesn't sound like I'm giving a lecture, but I really got into this because I needed it. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was a single mother and uh, I got remarried and unfortunately got divorced. Yeah. Um, it, it happens. Whoops. You know? <laughs> well, it happens and I've continued learning and uh, am in a healthy relationship. It, I'm 52 and got in a healthy relationship at the age of 52. So whoever you are out there, it can be done. But I was very, there's no reason to date willy nilly. You wouldn't take your car to be fixed by just anyone. You wouldn't no. take your body to be fixed by anyone. Why are we taking advice from just anyone when it comes right. to our love lives? Why are we doing this? We don't have to do this. And so I figured that out and that's when I took my PhD in psychology and I began learning this specific information first to help myself, then it became my entire career and kind of reason that. for being in my work. I, I am the luckiest person around when it comes to my work life. Duena, I'm just going to stop you for a second because you're going to actually teach us some scientifically proven dating tips, which I think is so cool and flirting. But before we do, I want to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Best Fiends and Best Fiends has supported not only the military family, but military mom talk radio for over a year now. And we're really grateful for their support because that's the way we bring these great shows to you. You know, we had a great game playing up Duena and we used to play Spud and we would stay out till all hours. The sun went down where I was raised at 10 o'clock at night. So days were really long. And when we were playing Spud, yeah, we wanted to win, but we didn't play for the sake of winning prizes. It was really just about having a good time and never wanting the fun to end. And that's what I love about Best Fiends. With Best Fiends, you solve tons of puzzles and your brain gets this great workout and it's a good brain break. It allows your brain to do something else other than, you know, stress about the kids or worry about your work or, you know, you're trying to get things done on deadline. And if you can just refresh your brain, it's amazing how productive you can be uh, coming back to this. So one of the tricks that I use is Best Fiends and it is a mobile puzzle game. It's a five-star rated puzzle game and you can find it on the Apple App Store or Google play and you can get it free. And I would encourage you guys to download this five-star rated puzzle game. It's called Best Fiends. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And you can download it free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And what I like about it is it's challenging, it's fun, but it's not so challenging, it's frustrating. And they clap for you and they go, woo, yay! I mean, seriously, how many times in your day do you get somebody to cheer for you? So it always makes me chuckle because nobody says, ooh, yay, mom, you took out the trash, or ooh, yay, you picked me up from soccer. So this is kind of my little positive reinforcement. And if you're itching for a fun game with no game over, give Best Fiends a try. You can carry it with you wherever you go. You can whip out your phone and play a few rounds when you're waiting in line to pick up your kids or waiting in line at the grocery store. It's just the right amount of challenge and strategy involved. It's almost too much fun and I can't stop playing. So download the free five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You'll be glad you did. Now, we're talking today with Duena Welch and she wrote a bunch of books, best-selling books called Love Factually, and she's going to act actually teach us some scientifically proven ways to flirt. Okay, here we go. Do I teach us how to flirt? So flirting, I'm going to tell you the top two things you can do. Okay. First of all, most initial interactions are launched by women, not by men. 
that may surprise you because it's normally the man who asks for your number or asks if he can text you or reaches out online or gets introduced to your friends, all of that stuff. That's, they normally initiate supposedly, but what really happens is women do the following two things and boy, does it work. Look him in the eye and smile and don't give like that smile. That's only with the lower half of your face, smile with your whole face. The eye crinkle is what distinguishes a real smile from not a real smile. And study shows, yes, have happy eyes. When you look into this man's face, have happy eyes. Okay. Okay. And don't just look at him really quickly and then glance away. Look at him in the eyes for three full seconds, which feels like an eon. That's going to be hard for me because says somebody on the spectrum, eye contact is really hard for me. So I'm going to have to count to three and then hope he doesn't say anything I have to respond to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so most women, we'll get back to the on the spectrum thing in a second, because there's a way to work around that. Okay. And I'm really glad you told me that because then I can address that. I can't address what I don't know about, right? Right. So you need to get this signal frequently. If you are in, have you ever noticed that when you are in a relationship, suddenly you don't get any male interest, but when you're not in a relationship, more men approach? Yes. You're you're probably unconsciously doing some of what I'm talking about. Most human kind of mate selection behavior happens at an implicit or unconscious level. But what I'm teaching people to do in my coaching practice is how to make it conscious. And in my books, how do you take this? And it's funny because when I first became single again, I, I knew all this stuff and I was doing it very intentionally. And I thought, okay, I've got to get back in the game. I have to get back to flirting. And so I would take walks every day and I would think for every man that I see, I'm going to look straight at him and smile and crinkle my eyes and just see okay. what happens. And I would get a lot of smiles back. I would get men turning around. I would get men saying hi and initiating conversations. And, you know, this is just on walk with people I'm never going to see again. These behaviors are the most effective if you're in an environment where you might see this person repeatedly. This is something called the mere exposure effect. And we find it with all kinds of things in psychology. You can find it, most people, if you say, what's your favorite letter in the alphabet? They choose the letter that is one of their initials. Oh, wow. And that's because of mere exposure. They're exposed to that letter more often than others. So this happens with things. It also happens with people. The tips I'm gonna give you today when I'm talking about in person, they work the best with people you are likely to be familiar with because you are in some kind of group with them, go to some kind of worship service with them. I know that a lot of us still aren't meeting in person because we're hopefully at the tail end of this pandemic, please, please, please. But even there, I've had clients who met people on Zoom because they did this on Zoom. (laughs) So in a Zoom group that they were on. So You look them in the eye and you do the eye crinkling smile and preferably in some situation where you have become a regular. If you have a regular Starbucks in a regular time, do it there. If you have a regular kind of social group that you meet in, do it there. Try to join some groups that aren't entirely women. I mean, I love Jane Austen and I go to a book group, but I'm not going to meet guys there. No. Oh, no, no, don't go to spin class, you know, things like that. There's no guys in there. Right. So become a regular someplace and that's where you deploy. Okay. <laughs> and if you are on the spectrum, you can look more briefly, but another thing you can do is you can go online and you may think, how does this work online? Smile, have a headshot where you're smiling straight into the camera and you're crinkling your eyes. Gotcha. Remember, we inherited our mating psychology from our ancestors long, long, long ago. They did not have the interwebs, but they did have eye contact and smiling. And so our brains don't think, oh, she's making eye contact and smiling on the internet. That doesn't count. They just think, oh, eye contact and smiling. It still works. Love that. So that's the first thing. Now, if you're in person and this person comes over, or if you feel bold and you walk up and you make eye contact and smile, the next thing that should happen is that you talk, turn, and touch the three T's. Okay. 
And this involves a phenomenon called mirroring, which means that, you know, I encourage you all to, to watch people out in the wild in public and watch them do this. Because again, this is largely unconscious behavior. So what you'll see is that as people talk, if they have a vibe going, they pick their glass up at the same time. Have you ever noticed this? Yeah. They turn toward each other and eventually they touch. And normally the woman touches first and she touches the man on his forearm. See, now I was like, okay, I have this all ass backwards. Like, just so we're, we're clear. I'm like, <laughs> I'm waiting for him to call, waiting for him to look at me, waiting for him to touch. Like I'm waiting, 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 which is probably why I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, okay. So I'm so happy you mentioned that because there is a mating dance. You know, when we see birds engaged in their courtship ritual and their dance, we don't say, oh, look at them. They're playing a silly little game. They should give all that up and just go straight to mating. And yet we get told that when humans engage in the courtship or mating dance that we have, that it's just game playing and we should abandon it. Oh, we have a mating ritual. Cool. And that mating ritual involves women making eye contact and smiling and men responding to that usually by coming over to us and talking and then us turning toward each other mutually and the woman touching his forearm it also involves him being the one usually who asks for your number now you can be assertive if he's leading the dance that is he has come over and talked to you and now he has asked for your number he's pursuing you okay okay He's pursuing you. It usually works best if you allow a man to pursue. If you chase men down, many of them wonder what the heck is wrong with you. I wish that weren't true, but they do. They, they kind of wonder what's wrong with you, except for the ones who get excited because they think they're going to get laid and then leave. Right. Right. So the, the men who are more commitment minded, you know, I have clients all over the world and about two thirds of them are men. So I really have an inside window into how men think when they're in long-term mating mode. Not all men are in long-term mating mode, but my clients are. And they will say things like, I wish she would stop calling me and texting me for long enough for me to realize that I miss her. I'm getting confused about how I feel. So if you have been allowing men to be the first to reach out and call and to be the ones to ask you out on a date and to hold open a door and to pay for dinner. That's not a bad thing. That actually, that actually is part of the human mating ritual. We are one of many, many, many organisms on this planet where the male offers the female food as part of courtship. And he provides it. You don't reach an, you don't reach an offer to pay. What you do is you say, thank you. you look him right in the eye, eye, you smile and you say, I had such a good time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate dinner. A good man needs to be thanked. He does not need you to pay half the bill. It's up to him to ask you to do something that he is happy to provide in its entirety. I am not talking about gold digging here. I'm talking about the first meeting could be he asked you on a walk. That's fine. That's actually really good in an era of COVID, right? Or he asked you to have coffee and he brought it and he gave it to you at the park or you each brought your own coffee to the park or he asked you on a picnic and he provided the food and you maybe brought one of the side dishes, but he offers something that he can easily afford. It's not up to you to figure out his budget and try to parent him into whether he can right. afford this or not. That was his doing. Your part, however, is to be enthusiastic and thankful. You know, it's so interesting. The human mating ritual does involve some level of hard to getness on the part of women, but that doesn't mean being bitchy, cold, or aloof. I, want, I can't emphasize strongly enough the number one thing that any one of us can do to secure the interest of a partner is to be obvious, clear, and open that we like them specifically. Gotcha. Then that, see, there's one right there that is really hard for people who are on the spectrum. Like, you know, one of the things that I've been criticized in relationships is having no reaction. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is, you know, and I'm, I work on trying to have more positive nodding reaction, even though I feel completely stupid doing it. Um, giving that positive feedback is really hard for some of us. 
I do understand that. I will say you and I are looking at each other right now and you're making great eye contact and you're nodding and you're smiling and you're very engaged. And so for yeah, you, one tip girl. might be to prevent, pretend that you're on an interview. Yeah, that you're, and that's the thing is like, you're seeing professional me, you know, these yes. are skills that I have honed over the last 25 years being on camera on, you know, to do all these things. They taught me to, to make eye contact, to smile a lot, you know, do these things. They're rote. And some of them are real, some of them are not. Like in the guise of like neurotypical reactions, I know the reactions, but I've never applied them to my dating life. Yes, so I think you already actually have the skills and you just could uh, reframe your dating life to incorporate some of your professional skills. Gotcha. And you know, there are a lot of us who work with the public who when we're on with the public, we know we have to be on. And I would encourage everyone to think about dating that same way. You know, dating initially, it's not really fun. And it's really, it's really an interview for the most important job in your life. There is no job out there that will comfort you at night, listen to you carefully, care about all your feelings, increase your income by more than 50 to 60%. Um, help you get a better career that lasts longer, help you have the financial freedom to do what you want and love instead of what you have to do, help you compress your morbidity, meaning compress the time that you are ill into a very short period of time at the end of your life, help you live longer and thrive while you're doing so in every regard. Finding one happy mateship helps in every regard except how good looking you are. It helps in every single other regard. It helps you raise your children more effectively. I know that I was with um, my, my second spouse from the time that my son was six until he graduated from high school. And let me tell you, if the only thing that marriage accomplished, and it wasn't, we were really happy for a long time. But if the only thing that marriage accomplished was letting me spend every day before school, after school, and at night with my son, Mission accomplished. Right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner on that one. Yeah, exactly. So these skills are worth learning. I will say it's a lot easier to learn and apply them if we don't expect dating to be fun. Dating is not entertainment. It is an interview process for the most important. You're hiring. You're hiring and you're being hired. And it is the most important series of interviews of your life because it affects everything. You can't say that about almost any job unless you're the president or something. You can't say that about almost any job. This really does affect that. So it's worth doing right. It's I love that because you're like, you're taking what I already know. You know, I own a company and I, I'm in the media and you're just kind of turning the lens a little bit differently to go, why did I ever think about dating as hiring a spouse? Like I always thought dating is, well, I just wait for somebody to ask me out. Yeah. You can be so much more proactive than that. If you treat dating like a really part-time job and a lot of people object to the word job, but it is, if it you're is. doing it, if you're doing it right, but here's the thing, if you are strategic, you will get results faster and you will get better results. Sure. There is no reason. It's kind of like asking asking yourself, should I just wait till something falls apart in my cart? No, you should, <laughs> you should not. Should I just wait for the right job to find me? No, you should not. Should I just wait for the right partner? No, you should not. You should make it happen. Understanding that part of that is men typically do the pursuing. And by the way, I occasionally meet women who say, well, yeah, but not the guy I'm seeing. He's the CEO. He, he's, he's really egalitarian or what have you. Look, we still carry mating psychology that comes from cave days and men still enjoy and usually attach more deeply to a woman that they pursue, which is not to say you're completely passive. You make the eye contact, you smile, you touch them on the forearm, you laugh at their jokes. If you have hair, which I no longer have very much because I cut it all off in the pandemic and now I like it. <laughs> okay, that's one good thing in my favor. I've got a huge mop of hair. <laughs> you have beautiful hair. And you know what? I have really short hair and it didn't stop me one bit. But if you have it, flip that mane, toss it around. That's another uh, tool in your arsenal is wear it down when you're someplace that, you know, when you go to the grocery store, any place you're a regular, wear it down and um, it really, and truly, if you have made eye contact repeatedly, and I know this is going to be difficult for you mm -hmm. because you're on spectrum, but if you can make yourself just like you're making yourself when you do interviews, 
when you see a man who interests you, smile and make eye contact. Women who do this, do it upwards of 30 times an hour. Wow. They do it a lot. Don't think that you're going to do it once and you're done. Gotcha. And I want to emphasize this. Whether you do this is more important, much more important, and much more likely to secure a man's interest and his pursuit of you than how good looking you are. Well, that, you know, that used to, to, to like, there's so many things you said that, that were so telling for me. Like, I, I don't know if you saw me turn beet red, like partway through when you were talking and I'm like thinking like all of this seems so logical. It makes such perfect sense. And like, you know, I have an MBA from Northwestern never occurred to me, like none of this stuff, goose egg, like nothing. But then you were talking about, you know, that's why I got so embarrassed going like, wow, no wonder I'm not, you know, doing well in this arena. I missed the boat, like on almost all of it, except the hair. And, you know, the funny thing is, is it's odds. Like when you were talking about, like they make upwards of 30 smiles or whatever, an hour, whatever the frequency was, it's like, well, that's like fishing. So if you put 30 worms in the water, what's the likelihood you catch a fish? And if you catch a lot of fish, then you're going to catch the right fish, the fish you're looking for. So I love that your stuff is so simple, but like a 747, it like went right over my head until this day. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is because most of our mating psychology, I mean, you're far from alone in not putting it together consciously. Our mating psychology is mostly not conscious. By making it conscious, we can take some control of the situation. We can never control another human being. Sure. It's funny because I belong to a lot of mating lists of groups that try to, they try to say things that compel women to click through. And I'm, I'm looking at that, I'm seeing what they're saying. And so I, I sometimes get you know, group emails that say things like make any man fall in love with you. You can't do that. If anyone who knew how to do that, they'd be a billionaire right. Game over. No, you can't do that. What you can do is alert men to your presence and let them see if they want to pursue you. That's what you can do. And you can also let them know that you like them. So if you, when, when I was dating and I'm in a relationship now, but when I, when I, the very brief time, and by the way, I met him seven days after I got onto match.com, which is the site Ooh. that I use I seven days because I know my process so thoroughly that I know exactly what I'm looking for. That doesn't mean we're exclusive seven days in at sure. all. And nor did I say that I was, I was very clear. I was seeing numerous people, but I liked him right from the beginning. I kept a journal. I encourage you all to keep a journal when you're meeting different people. Keep a journal so that you can track your reaction to this person. It's also, if you choose one of these people, it's also a lot of fun to go back and read later what the trajectory was. But from the very first time I wrote about him, I wrote down, I like him. I like him as a person. I enjoy talking to him. I think he's the best of the bunch. Okay. It was just very, very clear that I really liked him. And I told him on our very first phone call, I said, I really like you. And that's why I'm gonna ask you some hard questions because I don't see a whole lot of sense in going very far down the path with someone I really like if there's no way it could work out. Oh, I love that languaging. Cause I think for some of us, you know, Duana, I talk for a living, but I talk in a different way. Like that's a different skill. You know, when you're on the radio, it's, a, it's just a different language. It's a different skill. It's a different anything. But I'm a big believer in modeling. Like what you just said, like I just recorded it. It's like, you know what? I really like you. And, you know, because I really like you, I'm going to ask some of the hard questions because there's no point in seeing where this goes if we're not compatible in these hard questions. Like I literally tape recorded what you said. It will come out of my mouth at some point, maybe many times. I think for a lot of us, we struggle with like, like that. Like how do you get to the point um, that you, you know, you get to the hard questions. Like I had a, had a, a kind of a little dating episode recently with a, a PhD at Northrop Grumman, you know, big, big sound engineering guy works on jets, a lot of commonality in, um, in our, you know, kind of military background and our exposure, you know, the part of the country we're from. And then right in the middle of dinner, I did it ham fistedly, not the way you did it beautifully of saying, you know, I really like you, you know, 
I started firing some questions at him and then he fired some questions back and it became almost combative. Mm-hmm. Like when I said, you know, holidays are really important to me. I love, I love Christmas. I love, you know, Hanukkah. I don't care what the holiday is. Like I love to eat and celebrate and have people over. And he's like, well, I hate Christmas. And I'm like, game over, man. And then I'm like, well, how could you hate Christmas? Who hates Christmas? You Grinch. Like, it's just the Grinch. Like, huh? the Grinch hates Christmas, the but Grinch even the Grinch loves it now. Yep. And then as he was talking, I'm like, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And then it actually came out and he's like, are you singing the Grinch song? And I'm like, kind of like, cause you hate Christmas. Like, and it didn't go well. And that was the end of that kind of volley. And yeah, he's called me a few times since, but it's been awkward and weird. Cause when you call somebody the Grinch and then you sing the Grinch song at him on the date, there's not really a lot of backpedaling for that, but is it silly for me? That was a deal breaker. Okay. So You've brought up so many good points. Um, so, so many. Points. So I want to talk about two things that you just brought up, okay. if it's okay with you. One is how do you know what your deal breakers are and whether they're reasonable? Right. And the second thing is having found your deal breakers, how do you ask about them and when? These are two things that my clients struggle with. They're things that I talk about in both of my full length books. There are things that people want to know all over the world. And if you don't do them right, the problem is you wind up spending six months or a year or two years in a relationship that never was going to work. And you could have found that out on the first date and many times even before. So let's not waste time. I mean, how many two-year relationships do you really want to have? Right. Not most, most of us don't want that. No. So what I teach all of my clients to do, and again, this is in, in, the book that I'm talking about today is make your list, your list. First, you start by brainstorming, brainstorm, absolutely everything that you can think of that you want in a partner or need in a partner, all of it. Don't ask yourself, is it reasonable to want this at this stage? You just put it all in there. That's pass. Number one, pass. Number two, is you put all of this into the language of what you do want instead of what you don't. So if you would ordinarily say, no alcoholics, what I want you to say is drinks reasonably and responsibly or drinks up to three times a week, up to two drinks per time. Or I'm I'm not telling you specifically what to write down, I'm saying, Find your limit and express it positively or abstains from all alcohol and drugs. Whatever your limit is, say positively what it is instead of what you don't want. And here's the reason for that. If I say, do not think about a polar bear right now, you are thinking about a polar bear. Your brain is going to search for, and it's going to search unconsciously as well as consciously. It is going to search for what you give it. I want you to give it a positive to look for because otherwise it doesn't really process the word not. It looks for the polar bear because you said not the polar bear. Right. Well, like I was thinking when I was writing things down, I'm like, you know, I don't want people who eat. I don't want someone who's, you know, unhealthy and sits on the couch all the time and watches TV. And then I could reframe it to, I want someone who lives an active, healthy lifestyle. Yes. And and even better is that then you drill down and say active and healthy lifestyle means he hikes at least three days a week and he uh, prefers fruits and vegetables to meat and potatoes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. This is so cool. Like who knew? Yeah. Now, so now you've got your list, you put it all in positive language. Now pass number three, you divide this list into what you must have and what you want to have. Yeah. Okay. Your must-haves, this is the thing people find the hardest. Your must-haves, I want you to apply this rule to every single thing on your must-haves. And if it doesn't fit, you move it to the want category, not the must-have category. Ask yourself for each item on your must-haves. If this person had everything on my list except for this, would it really be a deal breaker? If he had everything on my list, except for this, would it be a deal breaker? See, on the Christmas thing, I would say yes, 
then you keep it on your best halves. Right. Like you could be rich, famous, sexy, you know, highly educated, fun, healthy, all these things. But if you ruin one of the things I love most, what's the point? If I love holidays, if I love birthdays and celebrations and parties and throwing stuff at my house and pool parties and graduation parties and this, and you're sitting up there like my ex-husband who hated all these things, big old grump, it ruined a lot of things and it made me not like him anymore. Not that was, that was the reason the divorce, he left and found someone else. That was, you know, big up, big change. But, but if the things that are important to me, you mock or make fun of like that to me would be a deal breaker. It's also triggering because you went through so much pain. Yeah. You, you were so unaffirmed for so long about this thing. So for you, it look, we all have baggage, but I'd like you to pick someone who, um, <laughs> who has baggage that's complementary rather than in opposition to yours. Gotcha. All of us, by the time we're probably out of high school, have some level of baggage, but, but we need to find someone who, there are some scientists who refer to these as our tender, our tender places. Mm-hmm. You want someone who in your, our tender place, in your tender places is kind. Yeah. In fact, there are some must-haves that belong on everyone's list kind and respectful, no matter what kind of day they're having. And no matter whether the other person or animal can do anything for them is a must have for everybody. Yep. Absolute must have. Another must have is they have to um, affirm your basic values. Values are things you really care about. One of your values that you've expressed numerous times today is uh, being generous and open with celebrations of friends and family and events. And so you need someone who expresses, who shares that value. Now, does he have to share it to the same extent that you do? This is another part of the list, or this is another aspect. This is why I like people to really drill down to what's important to them. Does he have to get into it as much as you, or if he just benignly uh, accepted it, would that be good enough for you? Even just showing up and, you know, for part of it, you don't even have to stay the whole time, but just don't be mean and grouchy and make fun of people and make fun of me. Like my bar is pretty low on that one, you know, like show and participate, but, but no one's asking you to be the life of the party. Yes. So your want to have might say he's the life of the party. He enjoys all celebrations and, and equally shares in the preparation, the planning and the event. That would be awesome. But your must have, your bottom line on this is he must affirm your enjoyment right. events and he must participate <laughs> at some minimal level with a good attitude. Bless you. Thank you. With, with, a good, with a good attitude. He must do that. Okay. So, and if he didn't notice that this standard of yours, it's not the same standard everybody would have. No. Your standards will be idiosyncratic. They will be particular to you, which is why I don't just have a list of standards everyone needs. Now, I will say we all need someone kind and respectful, no matter what kind of day they've had. And no matter whether the other person or animal can do anything for them, you need to listen for how they talk about their ex, how they talk to the wait staff, how they talk to children, how they treat animals, because the worst way that this person treats any of these other people is how you are going to be treated eventually. Gotcha. Gotcha. So people are constantly telling you who they are. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. People are constantly telling us who they are. Listen, that listen to that more than anything. And another thing everyone needs is someone who wants the same kind of relationship that they do. Meaning if you want a monogamous committed relationship and he wants polyamory, it ain't going to work. Right. However much you may love each other. If you want traditional marriage and combining of families and they want to live in separate houses on the same street. Well, maybe you can bend a little bit, but if you know that you have to have the traditional marriage living in the same house, then it's not going to work. Right. Right. I mean, I had honest with for a long time who wanted to cohabitate with my kids. And I said, no, like, I don't want this. I've already had a bad marriage. I already had difficulty. My kids are three months old and three years old, and I don't want another person to take care of. And I know that was probably really hurtful, but I could barely take care of myself. And I knew this person needed a lot of attention, needed somebody to make his dinner, to help keep the house. Like all I could see was all the benefit for him and all the work for me. (laughs) Well, and 
the research on cohabiting for single moms is actually quite clear. In one major study, a 25-year longitudinal study, meaning following the same people across those 25 years of men and women who had gotten divorced and they were interviewed and observed every year for 25 years, as were their children and any new partners. Big study, the Virginia Longitudinal Study with uh, Dr. Mavis Hetherington at the helm. She found a couple of really interesting things. The first one was that all the things that we've been told will make us happy after a divorce, join groups, you know, um, get a spiritual practice, uh, get some more hobbies, do meditation. I mean, those things help, but there was one and only one thing that routinely brought people back to a sense of wholeness and happiness. And that was a new healthy relationship. And what's funny is we get told, oh, we shouldn't be dependent on our relationships. You shouldn't make that mistake again. First of all, you may not have made a mistake the first time. I didn't make a mistake when I, when I got married to the man I talk about in my books. It wasn't a mistake. He started drinking 10 years into the marriage. You know what? He has free will people. I don't own him. Right. He has free. That doesn't mean I regret those 10 years before that. So just because something ends doesn't necessarily mean it's a mistake. I know many of you listening can fully embrace that because you have your, your families and you have, you know, there may have been wonderful memories that you share with your ex. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a big mistake. Right. She found that, but people get told all the time that this, that if you need someone else, you're needy. No, it's funny. People who are the happiest are those who readily admit that they want and need a partner in their life and they embrace a healthy interdependence. That doesn't mean um, that they have no sense of self beyond the relationship, but they know that relationships make their life richer and research completely backs that up. So that's one of the interesting things she found. The second one was single mothers. And there's another researcher, uh, Dr. Linda Waite, who found something very similar. She's a sociologist. Dr. Hetherington is a psychologist. Dr. Hetherington found in this 25 year longitudinal study that of the people over those years who made suicide attempts. In those 25 years, there were just a very few, but there were a few suicide attempts. 100% of them were the single moms who got sexually involved very quickly with a a man who did not commit to them. Yep. The norm that Dr. Linda Waite has found is that single moms get asked to cohabit. They usually don't get asked to marry. You will get asked to marry if that is your standard. If you say, I prefer yep. to date, why would I give up my security and my children's on a maybe? Right. Men will quickly figure out whether they want to propose or not. You will not make somebody propose, but what you can make sure it never happens is that you and your children wind up constantly on edge of whether you are secure. Right. Absolutely. And I have, I have examples of this to, to go for days, but one of them, uh, a woman moved in with her three children with a man who was quite wealthy. He had not brought up marriage. She assumed that he would. Women commonly assume research again, this is not my opinion. Women commonly assume that when men say, will you live with me? What women hear is someday we'll get engaged and then married. What right. men's what men hear when they say, will you live with me is, will you live with me? Right. That was a complete question. They were done talking when they right. said there that. was no. And then yes. And what research shows is as people live together, their motivation to actually get married decreases sure. because when you, when you're married before you move in the commitment level, the absolute decision to be together is already made. So when inevitable bumps in the road occur, you work through them. The motivation to work through your bumps in the road is very low in a cohabiting couple, right? They're much more likely to break up than married couples. They are more likely to break up if they get married later on. And they're more likely if they stay married to be less happy than couples who simply made the commitment and got married. So if you hear nothing else today, if this other person says, or you're tempted to say, will you live with me? That doesn't mean anything, but will you live with me? And studies show that women who are, who are single mothers with children who cohabit tend to be substantially, substantially more depressed and suicidal than women who live by themselves until an offer of marriage is made and delivered on. 
Right. I mean, I can just tell you that from my own, you know, experience, I'm, I, I would not agree to live with anyone and I didn't want anyone coming in and living with me. You know, I'm a breadwinner. I have a house. I have, I'm financially stable. So there were lots of men who were like, Oh, instant family. I can just move right in. I'm like, not without a commitment, not without a wedding ring. Yeah. And a, a way to frame it that my clients have found very helpful is I don't know why I would sacrifice. Here's, here's a way to frame it that my clients have found helpful. I know that you love me and that you mean to be kind when you ask me to move in, but I need you to see it from my perspective for a moment. I'm not going to uproot my life and sacrifice my stability and my children's stability for a maybe. Right. And I will tell you, every one of my clients who said that, the man totally got it instantaneously and he either proposed or they realized the relationship was not a going concern. Both of those answers are a win. Right. They're a huge win. Are you kidding me? They're like a major win. Yeah. And, and it takes, you know, like, like I would, I would always say, you know, things like, you know, why I, I didn't have the right verbiage that you had, but I would always say like, you know, why would I, why would I give up my company? Why would I, and I always put a, the word give up, you know, for, for these certain things. And it's like, but I like uproot my life, like sacrifice my children's stability. That was a big one for me. You know, keeping my kids stable is a big reason why they're, they're so successful now in their mid to late teens. We didn't jump around. We didn't have, you know, rolling admission and things like that, but it also did mean you had to draw some hard lines. And I think that's where Duena, your book is so important. And I want to just take a second, we're running out of time, but to talk about your workbook, what can people find in the companion workbook online that, that helps them with, like, cause I'm really intrigued with this. A lot of people write books. Very few people have a workbook. I actually offer it for free. It's a companion to the book. I encourage people, look, the book, my books are out on audio E and paperback. People can get them in whatever format works for them, but I really encourage people to get it in paperback if they have the time to spend a little time reading as opposed to listening or get the audio, but then also get the workbook gotcha. because in the workbook again is free. It's on uh, lovefactually.co where there's a list of all my books some free chapters and lots of free resources for you. Excellent. Um, the reason I did that is so that people would have a place where the exercises were laid out for them and they could print it and they could write in it and they could, or they could simply cut and paste and put it into their own journal. Because unlike my first book where there are just a few exercises, my first book is Love Factually 10 Proven Steps for My Wish to I Do. That one's out in five languages globally. Love Factually for single parents, the stakes are higher. There's more work to do. There are more stakeholders. You've got you've got stuff you're dealing with. And so there are exercises in every chapter, usually about five exercises per chapter. And of course people can, um, they can skip them if they want. I, I am infamous, at least within my own brain for reading entire books and they have lots of, of work in them. And then I go back at the end and maybe I do one of the things I will tell you the thing you must do. You must make that list. Yeah. And by the way, how you tell if your standards are too high is if you don't match your own standards, mm. go through the list and put a check mark next to everything that represents who you are. And if it, if there's something on it that doesn't represent you, but you want it, sorry, you, you might need to compromise on that one. Oh, I you can't compromise on any of the must-haves, by the way. That's why they're must-haves. That's why the litmus for a must-have is if this person had 100% of everything on my list, except for this, would it be a deal breaker? And if it would, it belongs on your must-haves. And that means you can't compromise on it. it the must-haves are not like a, an A, B, C, D grade. It's it's 100% or nothing. Right. It's all or nothing. Deal it's breaker. all or nothing. Yep. And you know, I felt really bad about my must-have list because I thought, oh my gosh, the list of men who have any one of these is very long. The list of men who have all 10 of them, very short. Took me six days. There you go. Had a girl. I'm when so you, and, proud of you. Thank you. Woman, <laughs> knowing that you're a single mom, you know, and we've had our bumps and bruises, and this is the first time, you know, I'm, you're going to be a regular on my shows, you know, and I'd love to introduce you to my radio network because not only are you 
you know, you, you're backed up by science, but you live, you know, it's like hair club for men. Like I'm not just a, you know, what do they say that guys like, I'm not just a, you know, a spokesman. I'm also a client or I'm not just an owner. I'm also a client. I look at you and go, you're not just a spokesperson. You're not just a talking head. You're also a client of yourself. And that to me is super cool. Thank you so much. You know, I, I actually, when I realized I was going to be single again, and I, of course, for a long time, I just licked my wounds and did the recovery work that I knew that I needed to do. But when I realized I was getting ready to date, I went back and I read my books and I did the work again. And I, I had written these thinking that, oh, shucks, it's too bad I didn't have these as a guide when I was single. But then I did. And they really helped. There are really only two things we have to do in order to find the right person. But it, this is going to sound deceptively simple because it's not this simple. We have to say no to all the wrong ones. And we have to say yes to the right one. That's right. And that involves a deep level of self-knowledge of what we have to have and what we can compromise on. I want to warn you. I know we're running out of time, but I want to warn you about something that women routinely require everywhere in the world that this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to require a man who's six feet tall or taller. Do you know how, how few men, the average height right now is five, nine in the United States for men. It is when, when all the women are chasing 20% of the men and insisting that that's a must have, you are so overvaluing a scarce quality that you are missing out on men who have the emotional must haves. I encourage you to embrace a man who is your height or higher. There you go. There you go. I love that. Duana, we're going to have you back. Um, I want to thank you for being my guest today. Check out her website, lovefactually.co. I want you to know, I always get freebies from publishers and books like this. I actually went on Audible and I bought my own copy while we were talking of your book because it's an audio version. And for some of you like me who are just blowing through time, you can listen to this on your car. There's a paperback, there's an ebook, there's an audio book. I'm on Audible, already ordered it. You're going to see another sale go into your queue just from me. I'm going to download the PDF. I've got it up on my screen. I encourage all of you out here listening today to do the same. There's help out there. There's information backed by science. Dr. Drayna Welch, thank you so much for being my guest today. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.